Welcome to Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. Here's to Your Health discusses the current thinking and wellness, bringing you the most influential thinkers in beauty, fitness, and longevity. Your host, Joshua Lane, was part of the Dr. Ann Wigmore team that helped bring wheatgrass, sprouts, and raw foods to a worldwide audience. And now the host of Here's to Your Health, Joshua Lane. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. I'm very happy to say that the organization PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, is a regular contributor to the show. I'm a supporter of the organization. They have they do very good work, and I am really happy when their representatives are on my show. And today, uh, we have Daniel Padden, and Daniel is the Vice President of Evidence Analysis for the Investigative Division of PETA, PETA being People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And they have done some very good undercover work. And some of the things that they have discovered, I think, are shocking to most people. Most people just don't realize some of the levels of cruelty and stupidity that are inflicted on animals in the name of science. But really, it doesn't really seem like very good science. Daniel Padden, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Josh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. No, I'm happy to have... Peter on the show. I appreciate you being on the show. Now, there have been a number of important investigations that Peter has done, and you're going to comment today about the, I guess, a very new investigation that led to the rescue of 4,000 beagles that were bred for experiments. Am I correct? Indeed, yeah. Uh, so much of the U.S. is hearing now for the first time about this this case in Virginia of, of a company called Invigo that operated a a beagle breeding factory in the central part of Virginia. And uh, after a PETA investigation and a variety of USDA inspections, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the company, and ultimately a a judge has allowed all 4,000 dogs who survived this facility and are there uh, to be released for adoption. And so they're coming out and going to homes across the U.S., um, which is a a wonderful ending to a a difficult, long story. And as you said, these dogs were were tied to experiments. They were being bred and raised and sold for use in laboratories, which, which, you know, shocks and appalls most Americans still to this day. Yes, yes. It it was really uh, shocking to read the analysis that Peter showed and proved to be correct. So now uh, our guest is uh, Daniel Padden. Daniel is the vice president of the of evidence analysis for the investigative division of PETA, PETA being People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Now, uh, Dan, please tell us, what did you discover as to how the beagles were being, I'll use the word, is housed the correct word, how, how they were being cared for? Yeah, yeah. So they, they were kept in football field long uh, sheds in the middle of nowhere, a 330-acre spread in, in rural Virginia. Uh, people who had lived in that county for their entire life, for decades, had no idea that this facility was, was even there. It was under the radar. Uh, they had about 5,000 dogs at some points. They had as few as 3,000 on other days. But, but ultimately, they had thousands of animals uh, caged and kenneled, 
these animals existed on concrete and metal wire floors. They never put their paws on grass. Uh, some of them honestly never even saw the sunshine until the day that they were released for adoption. Um, they were never given toys. They were never given beds. Uh, and they were essentially treated like test tubes with tails. They were just crammed into small enclosures. Uh, workers sprayed high-pressured old water at the dogs in an attempt to wash the waste and the feces out of the cages and kennels. But, you know, in the process, they stressed out these animals. They left them soaking wet. And in many instances, uh, mother dogs who were trying to nurse a litter of six or eight puppies were also left, you know, soaked to the bone. And at a facility that didn't have heat, uh, in the wintertime, that meant that dogs uh, actually died of exposure. And this facility was run by, frankly, one of the world's largest uh, providers of dogs and other animals to laboratories, a you know multi-hundred million dollar business, and it still failed these animals day in and day out uh, in very basic ways. Well, that, that is shocking. Our guest is uh, Dan Patton. Dan is the Vice President of Evidence Analysis for the Investigative Division of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. So, Dan, how did PETA realize this very large organization was you know, breeding up to 5,000 beagles at a time? And by the way, Dan, where were they selling? Who was buying these beagles? Sure. So we first learned of this facility about five years ago. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, which inspects facilities like this under the Federal Animal Welfare Act, released a a very shocking inspection report uh, in which they detailed animals who had been denied veterinary care for obvious illnesses and injuries, keeping animals in, in filthy conditions, giving them food that was contaminated with uh, insects and, and all sorts of mold and so forth. Um, so we went and investigated it ourselves, and, and we found those sorts of cruelties and more. Um, and it's the U.S. government, actually, that was keeping this place afloat in many ways. The, the National Institutes of Health, our NIH, which, of course, is funded by uh, our tax dollars, had signed contracts with this company to buy beetles from this particular facility to experiment on. Um, Also, many publicly funded universities across the U.S. um, have been buying dogs from this facility for many years. And so, you know, these animals, if they survived what the judge called torturous conditions at the facility, uh, were loaded on trucks and or planes and hauled or flown not only across the U.S., but even overseas to places like Japan and France and the Netherlands, where they would then be locked into steel cages uh, and have experimenters perform often very painful and, frankly, pointless tests on them, uh, at the end of which many, if not virtually all, um, were put down. Well, that seems quite upsetting. Now, let me jump in here 
as an audience member. Members of the audience might say, okay, that all sounds not good, but we humans benefit from these animal experiments. What is the answer in 2022 that refutes that? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the National Institutes of, of Health itself, which funds these experiments to the tune of $19.6 billion last year, I believe, wow. says that 95% of the drugs that test safe and effective in other types of animals, that includes dogs, end up being shown to be ineffective, if not dangerous, when they enter a human trial. So the experiments on dogs and other animals are not advancing human health and human medicine as much as we might believe and as much as the government and the experimentation industry uh, might lead us to believe. In 2022, thankfully, with the advanced science, um, we have things like modeling, computer modeling. We have uh, the ability to build human organs essentially on computer chips and test how our tissue and how our human systems will react to pharmaceuticals or if we're exposed to an insecticide or a pesticide or any number of things. Um, and, and so, you know, this facility was built in 1961, so it's, it's been around for over 60 years. And clearly then, you know, the thought was that testing on animals was, was going to be key uh, to advancing human health. And that's not the case now in 2022. Um, and we have alternatives that uh, obviously spare animals' lives, but they're also more effective and they're going to get us as a population closer to uh, better health and to health solutions than relying on man's best friend, so to speak. All righty. Now that sounds very clear. Our guest is uh, Daniel Padden. Uh, Daniel is the Vice President of Evidence Analysis for the Investigative Division of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. So Dan, would you say that as science continues to evolve, that animal testing will largely or not completely disappear because it's simply a less efficient model. Let's forget about the, the cruelty and the viciousness, which is something that we all want to pay attention to. But let's say, just ignore that. We'll say, no, no, we're humans and we don't care what happens to beagles. You know, we just want to be healthier. Would you say that animal experimentation has already been proven to be not current it's not current, and, and yeah, even putting aside the animals, just from a fiscal perspective or even from an efficiency perspective, you know, if, if you're concerned about, you know, the use of your tax dollars, if, if you know, you want more money in, in the federal budget to go to um, education, to schools, and, you know, to, to providing care for the homeless or elders and so forth, I mean, these are all reasons to oppose the use of animals in experiments simply because it's it's a wasteful practice. It right. takes up massive amount of resources, and the payoff, so to speak, is minimal at best, whereas the investments that have been made, in part by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and some other agencies within our government, 
in non-animal experimental methods have proven to be far more promising and gotten us to answers far more quickly and cheaply um, than decades of relying on animals have gotten us. Right, right. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, again, I'm a very big fan of the work of the organization People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. So, Dan, we have a, we have a few minutes left. I would like to mention this. Were you the individual responsible uh, for, for getting the first ever felony cruelty charges for the mistreatment of animals in a U.S. laboratory? Is that something that you were part of? Yes, thank you. Yes, I, I had the honor in 2009 and 2010 in, in working on a case that involved a, a, a small laboratory in northern North Carolina, and we documented some egregious handling and, and abject cruelty to animals, and a grand jury there actually did issue uh, indictments on felony cruelty charges against several of the managers and workers at that laboratory, and, you know, such charges are unfortunately quite rare in the U.S., and that, that did mark the first time um, in America that uh, someone had been charged with a felony for what they did to any animal uh, in that kind of setting. Okay, and, and Dan, so what was the upshot of that case? Well, unfortunately, the, the charges were pled down. Um, there were misdemeanors that ended up being adjudicated. Um, but that's not uncommon. I mean, you know, many times a felony is filed and, and you know, the resolution includes a misdemeanor. But the, the laboratory, on the plus side, the laboratory closed its doors and it released approximately uh, 250 dogs and cats uh, to humane societies and shelters, uh, and those animals were adopted out. So there, like this case, um, after PETA investigation and, and after the U.S. Department of Agriculture goes in and confirms what we're saying was going on at the facility, um, you have individual animals who <laughs> had the, the poor misfortune of, of being born into a laboratory or a laboratory supplier, end up being released and, and get to live the life that they always deserved with uh, a family, with uh, a, a nice place to curl up, uh, with toys, and with people who care about them. Right, right. Our guest has been uh, Dan Patton, and Dan is the Vice President of Evidence, of Evidence Analysis for the Investigative Division of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, uh, discussing his work uh, in getting the release of uh, 4,000 beagles Bread for Experiments uh, in Virginia, uh, a very important case. And PETA does very good work. And those listeners of History of Health who would like to support this good work, I please uh, go to the PETA website, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, and, and see what they're doing. They're doing very good work, and I'm really happy to uh, support their work. I, it has really great merit. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. Most American diets are low in cold water fish that are abundant in important omega-3 oils. DHA and EPA are the vital components of fish oil that provide healthy benefits. 
Not only are they crucial for brain and vision development, they're very important for cardiovascular health. Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence. For Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency, and freshness. Ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. That's right, ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. Life Skin Gel and Herbs Concentrate, organically grown aloe vera, used by makeup artists working with Hollywood's most beautiful actors. Alolife Skin Gel looks great on your face and quickly soothes your skin, hands and feet, even blisters. Plus, Alolife Skin Gel and Herbs is Hollywood's secret. Available at natural food stores and pharmacies nationwide, online and at Sprouts, Clark's, Mother's and Whole Foods. Alolife Skin Gel and Skin Gel and Herbs, a great way to keep your skin healthy and beautiful inside and out. Alolife, America's premium aloe vera brand and loved by your skin. Hollywood Secret, now available nationwide, more beautiful skin, Aloe Life. Give them a call at 1-800-414-ALOE. That's 1-800-414-2563. The very best in aloe, Aloe Life. Theory is a family-owned and operated supplement brand on a mission to inspire wellness in all. From farm to shelf, quality is at the heart of our products, made in Southern California. Try new U-Theory Daily Fat Burner for healthy weight management. U-Theory Turmeric to support healthy inflammation response. U-Theory Collagen for hair, skin, nails, tendons, and ligaments. And Ashwagandha to help reduce stress, boost overall well-being and clarity. U-Theory made for all of you. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. My guest is Nicole Pearson, and Nicole Pearson is an attorney working with the organization Children's Health Defense, which I am a great supporter of as they they are doing excellent, careful work as far as protecting our health freedoms. Uh, Nicole Pearson, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very happy to have you on the show. So you are an attorney working with Children's Health Defense to protect uh, the health freedoms of Americans and I guess also to some extent people around the world. And may I ask, where did you receive your undergraduate and your graduate degree? Well, I went to uh, undergrad at University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and then my law degree from Loyola Loyola Law School of Los Angeles. They happen to be two of the first uh, institutions, that being the Regents and, and Loyola Law School, uh, that we threatened to sue for their illegal um, vaccine mandates on some of the strongest in our communities. But um, ironically, yeah, they, they had some of the most egregious and, and first policies rolling out in the country. So those are my alma mater. Well, okay, so you are a, a Southern California person and you from received training from very excellent schools and you as attorney, you know, try to protect health freedom. So when you use the word mandates at these universities, mm-hmm. what is it that you object to and why? Well, 
as a preliminary matter, I, you know, I am an attorney. I had my own, or had my own law offices of Nicole C. Pearson, and I was working independently on my own for a while. And what happened was, is I was sitting here in my little bubble in Orange County, and Orange County, Ventura County, and San Diego County happened to be the three counties in California that they were rolling out the pilot program for the digital vaccine. Um, you know, verification system, the vaccine passport system. And so as I was here, I was watching and reviewing these contracts and tracing these contracts and the money dating back to 2017, 2018, 2019, pre-pandemic, watching these facts unfold as they're laying the framework for what ended up being the pandemic. So I had that insight going on, and simultaneously I'm watching the pandemic, which I I speak totally transparent with your audience, was very frightened of. Uh, We have two daughters with medical conditions that made a respiratory virus very potentially lethal for them, and I took it very, very, very seriously. But when I saw what I was just mentioning, these plans unfolding or being revealed um, in Orange County through the Board of Supervisors meetings, and at the same time, I'm watching these mandates or these policies, these affirmative mandatory policies on the most, the strongest in our communities, those being, not being 18 to 25 year olds, right, who not only had the best chances of surviving this virus at that point, but then there was also evidence of myocarditis coming out. I, to be totally candid, just lost my mind and was saying, something isn't right, this doesn't make any sense. And the reason why you're doing it to these students, these children, is because you have them over a barrel. You have them paying tens of thousands of dollars a year to go to school, to get their graduate degree, to get the education that you, the government, says is so important and essential for them in order to be successful in the United States. And they've taken out loans with you, the government, who's now mandating. So it's just so obvious what was happening, and I I just couldn't take it anymore, and I just started writing angry letters. And that's how I was connected with CHD, with Children's Health Defense, is they saw my work, and then they kind of they invited me to collaborate and now I have my own firm, and they are our clients, and I'm very blessed to be working with them. Our guest is Nicole Pearson. Nicole Pearson is an attorney uh, doing work uh, for to protect our health with the Children's Health Defense. So, Nicole, you're saying that these uh, young people, the college students age 18 to 25, they because they were paying large sums of money to go to college and they were taking out government loans, are you saying that they were then really coerced into taking yes. vaccines that they may not have wanted to take. Some might say, oh, we'll take this, although actually they're not considered vaccines because it's a new technology, so some people say, no, just, you should just really just call them injectables. Uh, right. Is that what you feel? Is, is that more correct? I mean, absolutely. I think for, but for a very, very small portion of the population, most of the individuals who did receive these injections, which they are, they're injectables, they're injectable therapeutics, experimental or new, whichever word you prefer to use. Um, But for that very small fraction of the community, most of the individuals who received these injections did so under coercion, duress, and fraud. To be quite frank with you, it's fraud. We don't know all the information. They purposely withheld information. They purposely withheld the trial results when they were forced by the court to produce that information. They redacted it, and it was incomplete. And they knew a lot of information um, and data that they didn't share with us. Uh, 
before they even rule these out. And um, so that that's fraud in the worst case scenario, and at the very least, you know, just excusable or inexcusable neglect. And a lot of people received the injection under very false premises and um, did so because they were coerced by their employers at the risk of losing their jobs or their education, access to critical services. So, again, but for that small minority of the community, most of us receive that injection, again, under fraud, duress, coercion, and all of it is illegal. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Our guest is Nicole Pearson. Nicole is an attorney, and she is working with the Children's Health Defense uh, to protect our health freedoms. Now, these mandates, w- please comment on one of the lawsuits you have filed, and how is it going? Uh, when the mandate started coming out and the proof of this overarching plan to basically shunt the entire community onto a digital verification social credit type of system, uh, I, I set up a separate organization called Facts, Law, Truth, Justice. Like the facts are important, law is important, and if you have the facts and the law, you can find truth and, and achieve justice. Facts, Law, Truth, Justice. And with that, um, two uh, women who are actually now my law partners, Rita Barnett Rose and Jessica Barsotti, who I met through Children's Health Defense, came and joined me and we created this new firm, the civil human rights firm, fighting the mandate. And we have strategically filed very specific lawsuits to challenge different parts of what we believe is a, a huge criminal international enterprise and to take down each facet of that, of those operations. So to answer your question, we filed immediately the first lawsuit that we filed was against the Los Angeles Unified School District, which is the second biggest school district in the United States, the largest in California, matriculating over 600,000 children, and to stop their mandate because school districts, of which there are over a 1,000 in California, do not have the authority to require, if you want to call them vaccines, vaccines as a condition to your child receiving an education. That is something, a power that is vested exclusively in the California Department of Public Health. That one, on July 5th, we just got an an order from the judge saying that he agrees with us, but that is almost a year, two years, excuse me, too late. But, uh, you know, we got that ruling on July 5th, and he agreed with us that school districts do not have that authority. We won in Piedmont in January 2021. Same type of policy, except they were enforcing it against five-year-olds even though the five-year-old didn't even have authorization from the FDA to receive the injection, and they had no remote learning program. So that was a horrifying policy that we went after right away, and we won uh, with Judge Seligman. He agreed with us. School districts do not have that authority in the United States. Currently, we have major lawsuits pending in the Orange County uh, Superior Court against the Orange County Board of Supervisors and Orange County, challenging their never-ending local health and local emergencies. Uh, we, they believe that they don't have the obligation to review the local conditions to decide whether or not those warrant the ongoing declarations of emergency. Obviously, we disagree. And we have a lawsuit against Santa Clara University for their booster mandate and their disparate treatment of students based on religious and medical conditions. And we also have a, a mass policy lawsuit against the Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District. That is another major lawsuit. We want to put the mask science on trial. We want to expose the science, the lack thereof, and the lack of transparencies and policies and procedures that led the scientific 
policies and procedures and processes that led to the implementation of these policies across the state. So those are the major lawsuits, and all of them, as you can see, target a specific area of this, like I said, criminal enterprise. Our guest is Nicole Pearson, an attorney uh, who has a who works with other attorneys in her company, uh, and they're working with Children's Health Defense to protect us uh, against vaccine mandates. Nicole, the educators who really try to enforce that five-year-olds be vaccinated, are they doing so because they think it's just the right thing to do, or are they being coerced themselves? They're being coerced themselves. I think what um, what people don't realize and what, I mean, and coercion, <laughs> you can be coerced to a certain point. At a certain part, point, you're a co-conspirator and you're complicit in the plan. Because what people don't realize, and again, this is something that was revealed, I'm so blessed to be working with not only an, an incredible organization, a community of, of concerned citizens in Orange County, Orange County Informed and United, but also Children's Health Defense, also um, colleagues at, at PERC, Protection of the Educational Rights of Kids, California Freedom Keepers, but we, we're reviewing this documentation and we're seeing that and whether it was, you know, unintentional or intentional, that as a condition to receipt of the state and federal COVID-19 emergency relief funds, the conditions to receipt of these funds were having a mandatory masking policy, having a quarantine policy, having a distancing policy, having a contact tracing policy, having a vaccination policy. So what happened was a lot of these entities or agencies accepted this money one of the contracts we saw was over 360 pages, I think it was 367 pages long of terms and conditions. And this, these kinds of mandates and policies were required as a condition to receive those monies. And when they finally realized, okay, COVID-19 is slowing down, these policies aren't working or more harmful to the children or our employees, et cetera, than we had anticipated, we need to pull back. They can't. They legally cannot. And they, again, the government has these organizations, these entities over a barrel as well. So the, the solution to that problem, or there really is no solution, is to continue enforcing these illegal, unscientific, unconstitutional, dangerous policies or have to pay back the money, which a lot of them can't do now because they spent it right out the gate. So it's a, this is why we call this a criminal enterprise. It is collusion. It is fraud. It is all of the things that you could possibly imagine. It was intentional. It was purposeful. There are some school districts, for example, who didn't realize what they were doing. There are others that are co-conspirators and knew exactly what they were doing. But at the end of the day, it's us as citizens and our children who are suffering um, under these, these illegal endeavors. Wow. And that's what we're seeking to prevent and to undo. Wow, that uh, sounds like you're doing very good work, and it sounds like it's uh, you know not easy. And uh, so no. I'm guessing that a lot of the educators ultimately thought, oh, we're going to get money. And we'll just kind of, uh, you know, do it. And they didn't realize it was a real downside. They probably, some of them probably just didn't really know. They assumed, no, no, this is just good information. Now, Uh Nicole, what do you suggest that we as citizens do now? Well, there are a couple of things that are happening in California specifically. And right now we have the California legislature, which is in session. So what, what we have right now, right, is I see different battlefields in this war because, we are at war. When you go after children and you use children as shields to protect adults who can protect themselves, we are truly at war 
it, you know, I don't know if people are religious who are listening to you. I, you know, I truly believe this is a battle between good and evil that we really need. Everyone needs to be rising up. We can't rely on any one group or individual or organization to do the work. We all have to unite together and push back on this. So we all need to get engaged. Uh, we've been very lackadaisical with our politics for way too long. And we have allowed people who do not have the best intentions, do not have our best interests in mind, let alone our children's best interests in mind, gain political power. So we, But that starts locally. We have to all get engaged, whether it's the PTA, the school board, the, the board of supervisors, the, whatever organization you want to get involved in, get involved locally because that trickles up. And once you get your local Indians here, you circle the wagons here, you can effectuate change going up the ladder then you can effectuate change and influence your board of supervisors who influences your state representatives, your assembly members, and your senators who then influence the California legislature who influences the governor. So you go up. Absolutely, number one. And number two is getting involved right now. Everyone needs to follow Facts, Law, Truth, Justice on Instagram. Go to our website, factslawtruthjustice.com. Sign up for newsletters. You will get call to action updates on what is going on in the California legislature, the bad bills, the horrifying bad bills that they're trying to pass right now today, even though the CDC has completely reversed and contradicted itself for its COVID-19 safety recommendations, they're still trying to push through, for example, perpetual testing in in public schools, in all schools, excuse me, in the state of California. They They just passed that law. It's off to the governor's desk for signing. We have another one. Dr. Akila Weber, Assembly Bill 1797. She wants to create a digital immunization registry, one centralized digital uh, registry for all Californians, not just school children, that's run by the California Department of Public Health. We have Senator Becker's bill, excuse me, Senator Weiner's bill, Senate Bill 866, who wants to reduce the age of consent to vaccines. He initially wanted to reduce it to 12, and because of pushback and a couple people asked for amendments, he's now trying to reduce that age to 15 to push the, the COVID-19 vaccination narrative, right? And then he's working in conjunction with Senator Becker, who Senate Bill 1419 says, where children can consent, where minors can consent to treatment, they get to seal their medical records. So we have this horrible system that they're still trying to roll out, this digital system. They're trying to empower, they call it, children to make life-changing, potentially permanent life-changing medical decisions without their parents' knowledge or consent or involvement and then actually prevent the parents from getting involved and offering help after the fact. That's kind of this has been a, quite a chilling conversation. Our guest is Nicole <laughs> Pearson, an attorney doing great work on our behalf as citizens, and Nicole Pearson's with the Children's Health Defense. Hope to have Nicole back on the show once again. This is Josh Lane. Uh, you're listening to Here's to Your Health. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. And most American diets are low in important omega-3 oils. Omega-3 oils are the vital components of fish that provide numerous health benefits. Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems supply concentrated amounts of these omega-3 oils that are needed to support vision, brain function, and a healthy heart. 
Each great-tasting Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gem Soft Gel contains 1,250 milligrams of fish oil from deep cold water fish. That supplies a full 800 milligrams of omega-3s, all in only one easy-to-swallow soft gel. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for they are tested for purity, potency, and freshness by an independent FDA-registered laboratory. Ask for Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems at your favorite natural food retailer today. U-Theory is a family-owned and operated supplement brand on a mission to inspire wellness in all. From farm to shelf, quality is at the heart of our products, made in Southern California. Try new U-Theory Daily Fat Burner for healthy weight management. U-Theory Turmeric to support healthy inflammation response. U-Theory Collagen for hair, skin, nails, tendons, and ligaments. And Ashwagandha to help reduce stress, boost overall well-being and clarity. U-Theory, made for all of you. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. I'm happy to say that Sylvia Beljansky, a regular contributor to the show, uh, Sylvia Beljansky is the author of Winning the War on Cancer, The Epic Journey Towards a Natural Cure, talking about the work of her father, Mirko Beljansky, the PhD, who was such an influential scientist uh, in Europe uh, number, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and he worked at the Pasteur Institute in Paris when that was really among, if not the most influential of the scientific organizations or groups working in Europe at the time. And he did some very good work on the use of medicinal plants that could be, that are completely safe and effective and non-toxic. And Sylvie continues the good work of her father. Again, our guest is Sylvie Beljansky, the author of Winning the War on Cancer. Sylvie, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Uh, thank you for having me, and thank you, for uh, Josh, for this very generous introduction. Oh, my pleasure. I enjoy it when you're on the show. I am a supporter of the work. Only after I found out about it and read the book and, of course, had you on the show several times, that I realized the importance of the work of your father, and also, if I can say this, how your father, whose, whose ideas helped save the life of Francois Mitterrand while he was president of France so that he could complete his second term in office second, uh, successfully, and this was after uh, Mitterrand had already had a very invasive prostate surgery and was really kind of given up to die by his own physicians, uh, and your father's work was so remarkable that it really helped Mitterrand and also helped the people in France because there was such notoriety about the president taking these herbal cures, which were safe and effective and non-toxic. But then, after Francois Mitterrand left office and then passed away, your father was literally uh, attacked, uh, literally, yeah. and he was arrested in his laboratory— without warrant, not by the police, but by the armed forces of France. And that was just shocking to me because I tend not to believe stories like that. And yet the way you explain it, it seems very clear that the man was victimized by business, that he had done nothing wrong, but that he was simply uh, needed to be eliminated. Yeah, you know, his, his, um, his work and his discoveries were... Uh 
highly disturbing to the medical and pharmaceutical establishment because it was showing that uh, natural medicine could be more effective than uh, some drugs, approved drugs, and uh, and without side effects, without toxicity. And the, the studies that my father did were showing that it was working on a number of cancer and including, you know, uh, some viruses, and at the time, back in the 80s, um, HIV was all, you know, what people were speaking about. Mm-hmm. And the results, the results were, you know, so so amazing and so promising that uh, it was highly, highly disturbing for pharmaceutical companies, and they were not going to uh, allow uh, something that did not belong to us, to them, I mean, uh, to, you know, it is a non, uh, the syndrome of uh, non-invented here uh, that uh, was uh, really in play here, and uh, and they destroyed, uh, they destroyed my father, and they almost destroyed all of his work. If if I had not moved to here to America to New York, start a non-for-profit organization to carry on with the research and get. Uh, a scientific confirmation uh, of his work, all that would have been uh, wiped out. Right. Our guest is Sylvia Beljansky. Sylvia Beljansky is a graduate attorney whose father, Mirko Beljansky, uh, did a PhD, did very important work, as did uh, Sylvie's mom, also a PhD. Uh, and the work was so uh, useful and valuable that, again, it was used successfully by French President Francois Mitterrand to successfully treat his advanced prostate cancer. After he already had surgery and they cut him to pieces and he was given up to die. Sylvie, this is, you know, very upsetting, I think, for you as the daughter to see your parents suffer this way and you suffer. And, you know, uh, my listeners, I'm sure, are rather shocked to hear this story, which I feel is a completely valid story, how your father was guilty of, I guess, Political persecution is really what it boils down to. It boils down to the pharmaceutical industries concerned that they want to treat cancer and other health problems, but they want to do it their way with things they can patent. But your father's, the herbs your father discovered to be beneficial, I, I guess the problem is they're naturally occurring compounds and therefore can't be patented and therefore they're not profitable. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, they are not profitable. Uh, I mean, they cannot be patented and uh, because they are natural and you cannot patent n- nature. But, you know, what was most important to my father is that those uh, compounds, natural compounds, could help people. He was not really uh, interested in making big money. That was not his thing. But it was helping people. And uh, the, the fact that uh, those uh, this work has been able to survive beyond his own life is actually the most important. And that's why I wrote the book, Winning the War on Cancer, The Epic Journey Towards a Natural Cure. And as of today, we keep receiving, you know, a lot of testimonials uh, showing how those uh, natural compounds have been able to help a number of people with a numerous uh, kind of diagnosis, and including pets. Uh, and this, this is, you know, uh, in a way surprising to see how large the application of those compounds is. But uh, ah, but at the same time, it's not surprising. For example, for, for, for pets, 
you, you see the same increase in the number of cancers that uh, you, you, we witness for humans is about the same respect. I mean, uh, whether it is dogs or cats, the, no, the number of, of uh, pet cancer is rising also. Very similarly for that, uh, the, the humans, uh, the number of uh, uh, of viruses also. I mean, the increase of viruses is, is something they are uh, subjected to, just like humans. Uh, the, the treatment is the same. Uh, it's all about chemotherapy, and the, the side effects of chemotherapy are much less in dogs, it has to be said, than in humans. But it's... Uh, they have uh, subjected to relapse, just like like humans. So uh, the, the natural approach is just as promising and helpful in pets and in, in humans, and that's why uh, that's what I wanted to to share today. Uh, the, the idea that I wanted to share today with your uh, with your audience. Our guest is Sylvie Boljanski, the author of the book which I recommend we all read, which I found remarkably easy to read, and also it actually reads a little bit like an adventure story, too, uh, which, not to diminish the importance of the work, but uh, Sylvie has really a lot of guts and the things that Sylvie did to promote the work of her father as far as travels, and it's just quite remarkable what needed to be done and was done successfully by Sylvie to promote the work of her father, Mirko Boljanski, and that's all very nicely written about in the book Winning the War on Cancer, the Epic Journey Towards a Natural Cure by Sylvie Beljansky. Now, Sylvie, what are the medicinal herbs that you have found to be very valuable for pets? Well, the most one, uh, effective one is definitely Pau Pereira. Uh, it's uh, uh, Pau, P-A-O, and then Pereira, P-E-R-A-I-A-R-A, Pau Pereira is uh, coming from a tree in the Amazon rainforest. Uh, it can be uh, sustainably harvested. Uh, and it is a, a powder which has uh, shown to be um, effective in, uh, for different kinds of cancer uh, in humans, but also uh, in pets, and also uh, able to fight uh, viruses in humans and, uh, and in pets. And uh, we, for example, uh, we there was a clinical uh, trial done in humans in the 80s in France at the time of my father for uh, people suffering from HIV, and we have received a number of testimonials for cats suffering from HIV, which is uh, really the equivalent uh, in humans uh, of uh, HIV. HIV is a feline immunodeficiency virus and it's very, very uh, similar to HIV, and it leads to development uh, of lymphoma in cats. And in dogs, there are a lot of uh, cancer, more and more ca cancer. They get that, uh, unfortunately, younger and younger. Uh, and, uh, and just like for humans, it doesn't need to be speci one specific kind of cancer. Uh, the Taupera uh, extract is able to recognize cells whose DNA is different, and cancerous cells have a different uh, DNA. 
and uh, they uh, it really targets those different uh, different cells and uh, induce apoptosis, which is uh, the death of uh, the cancerous cells selectively without touching healthy cells. And that's the beauty of the product because uh, because it is selective, it's not going to induce uh, any uh, toxicity on healthy cells. If you do not have uh, uh, cancerous cells or precancerous cells, you are going to eliminate the, the product within a matter of, uh, of hours. And my father's work was about showing that those plant extracts was actually working on plant cancers because plants also have cancer, animal, and also humans. He was, you know, as a scientist, he was looked across all all the species of the of, of the kingdoms. I mean, all the different kinds of kingdoms uh, of species, and it was kind of cancer looks always the same, whether it is uh, in happens in a vegetable, in a, in an animal, or or a human. The cancerous cells have the same differentiation, always, always, uh, and the same uh, are caused by the same things, the same environmental toxins, the same carcinogens in our environment induce the same results. And Pau Pereira is able to address uh, those, those differentiated cells uh, again and again. It's, 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 uh, the result is just beautiful and needs to be, to be shared. Yes, I, I believe so. Our guest is the author, Sylvia Baljanski, who has a very good book called Winning the War on Cancer, The Epic Journey Towards a Natural Cure, which I read and which I enjoyed and which I looked through periodically and offers very good information. It's very easy to read. And frankly, it's a, it's a, it's a really a great book. Now, uh, Sylvie, the uh, palparia, which you, your father discovered the effectiveness of it and it's good for pets. So, how can I get that? Is it from Pal Pet? Pal Vet? Is, does Pal Vet is the one who's selling it to me now? Yes, ex- exactly. So uh, it is uh, smaller than uh, for uh, humans because uh, our pets are smaller, so they do not need uh, big, uh, big capsules. But uh, so it's smaller, it's less expensive than uh, Pal VFM, for example. And, uh, and it's really worth uh, giving a try if you have uh, an animal with. Um, with cancer is definitely less expensive than uh, chemotherapy and should be because it's a nat- nutritional approach should be tried uh, as kind of first uh, first uh, line of treatment before going to uh, expensive and uh, and difficult uh, treatments. Uh, Sylvie, my question for you on the on the pal vet. Uh, for dogs specifically, do we put the capsule in their mouth and give them water? You know, how do we get them to take it? Yes, so, so, so the, pow- the powder extract is extremely bitter, uh, so it's better it's better not to uh, to open it because it's going to taste uh, disgusting for dogs, just like for uh, for humans. Uh, it is better, if possible, to have them uh, swallow the capsule, if possible. And for cats who would not swallow a capsule, even a small one, I mean, uh, using as a supp- suppository uh, is a, is the best way to get them to. to oh, all right. To, to, Yes. I, yeah. By the way, I would like to vouch that the palparilla is actually bitter tasting, but I actually do open the capsules myself as a human and uh, put it in sometimes carrot juice, and uh, it goes down pretty nicely that way. And also I'd like to say on a personal level that when I use palparilla, and I'm a healthy guy, when I started using it, 
it didn't took, take very long, maybe a week, and I felt much more energetic, and I thought, this is remarkable. It's just the, the products that your father discovered, the herbal products, the herbal compounds, the plants, are just very, very helpful. Once again, our guest has been Sylvia Beljansky, the author of a book I suggest you read called Winning the War on Cancer, The Epic Journey Towards a Natural Cure. And uh, Sylvie is the head of the organization, Mason Beljansky in New York City, where they work with patients with all sorts of immune problems. They do very good work. I'm proud to say that Sylvie is a regular contributor to the show. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these important messages. Friends, take care of your skin using aloe light juice and skin gel. My dry, troubled skin felt better right away. It's my number one choice for beautiful and healthy skin. Using aloe light, aloe juice, skin gel, and lotion starts soothing and renewing dry skin and oily skin on contact. Easy irritations on cracking skin, too. Aloe Life Skin Gel is the best therapy without a prescription, feeling soft and smooth, balancing, feeling youthful. Use Aloe Life products, including skin gel, sold nationally at your favorite natural food store and pharmacy. Online, find a store near you at aloelife.com or call Aloe Life 1-800-414-ALOE. That's 1-800-414-2563. Look and feel your best with Aloe Life. The latest from the greatest, the best in new music by classic rockers, with your host, the insane Daryl Wayne. This is Alice Cooper, and if Daryl Wayne is insane, what does that make me criminally insane? Stick around to find out. Many of the artist interviews for the latest from the greatest have been captured on audiobook. There is a volume one and volume two. Great information and conversations with people in the industry and people surrounded by the industry and of course the rock stars themselves i'm the reverend al green and you're listening to the insane daryl wayne and i said wayne insane you can find it on amazon or blackstone audio search for the latest from the greatest from daryl wayne d-a-r-r-e-l-l-w-a-y-n-e hello this is weird al yankovic and you're listening to the insane Daryl Wayne, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. If you have any questions about the guests or topics discussed tonight, please give us a call at 818-707-0005. That number is 818-707-0005. This is Josh Lane. On behalf of the cast and crew, I would like to wish you a healthy and safe good evening.